Why look who's coming through the door I think we've met somewhere before Hello love Hello Hello love Where in the world have you been so long I missed you so since you've been gone Hello love I do miss you when you're not here my friends Hello love Make yourself feel right at home I hope you plan on staying long Come in love well, We hope you stay all day long But we certainly hope you stay uh, For a few minutes at least And really maybe till 10 o'clock When the uh, Watchdog Morning Show Turns things over to Statewide Talk Line Hoppy Kirchhoff is on vacation this week But Dave Wilson is uh, filling in So you can have good conversation Coming up with Dave uh, At uh, 10 o'clock this morning Let's see, we're looking at 29 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport, 28 at the Highlands, 25 in Elm Grove, and 28 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. It's going to be sunny today, a high around 45, uh, down to 25 tonight, close to 40 tomorrow, into the 40s for most of the rest of the week, and uh, I guess in the 40s again uh, for the weekend, going to be partly cloudy for the weekend, sunny over the next couple of days uh, uh, here in the upper Ohio Valley. We have a number of things getting into coming up in the next half hour of the show. We're going to talk to um, Vice Mayor Chad Thalman about the Streetscape project, not so much about the ins and outs and the traffic and all that stuff, but rather uh, the things the city is doing now. The city has kind of gotten on the stick and is starting to make a couple of moves to try and help the downtown businesses, everything from financial incentives to a parking validation. So that'll be uh, coming up in the next half hour of the show. Bob and I would talk about a hearing down in Virginia this week, uh, yesterday in fact, where a judge was hearing the case of $300 million in defaulted loans by the Justice Company um, and whether or not Ju- Governor Just has to pay those right away. The Justice Company isn't denying they owe the money, but they are arguing about how they are going to pay it. So we'll talk about that. Bob and I will kick that around coming up in the next hour of the show. Um, Our suggestions for local Christmas gifts continue. Dom Cerrone from Good Mansion Wines will stop by. If you're into uh, imported uh, cheeses and meats and wines, the big thing at Good Mansion Wines, I saw they've got uh, truffles uh, for Christmas, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, too. So kind of a high-end. Maybe you want to take some of those to the Greenbrier with you, Howard. Nah, they'll have them down there. They'll have them, I don't even take them with me. Oh, you take a sand to the beach. Yeah, uh, they'll have yeah, them down they'll there. have them down there. They'll have truffles down there if I want truffles when I go to the Greenbrier. So all of that is coming up here on the Watchdog Morning Show. A moment or two, we'll be chatting with uh, Tom Scateri, our national correspondent, uh, about the, the, the uh, Jack uh, Smith taking the question of whether or not Trump has immunity directly to the Supreme Court. Ballsy move, i got to tell you. If he's wrong, the whole thing falls apart. So we'll talk about that. Uh, and um, some other interesting things happening on the international front I want to get into with uh, uh, with Tom, including apparently a move by some to, to allow – how do I want to phrase this? To diminish the guardrails preventing extremism in the military. We'll talk about that uh, coming up as well. It's 8, 12 in the morning on the Watchdog Morning Show. Frio Stack Auction Service text line 304-214-1600. If the president uh, rules the president, I'm sorry, if the Supreme Court rules that presidents have absolute immunity, any future president, wouldn't they have free reign to do anything, even up to murder with no prosecution? Well, it sounds like to me, but what do I know? I, I mean, I, if 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 the Supreme Court says that Trump, that Trump in this particular case, and there by implication other presidents, 
whenever they do something as holding their office of president, it, it is legal. And that's what Richard Nixon said. When the president does it, it makes it legal. Um, and we discovered that wasn't true with Nixon. So, but I would th- yes, I think Bill, you're you're right. Bill uh, Bill sends that note to us. Uh, yeah, I think if the Supreme Court rules that uh, Trump does have absolute immunity, uh, former pre- we have created a dictatorship, is what it was saying. And that's exactly what it is. And I think it was about 20 years ago, Howard. I think there was a movie out with kind of like that premise where the the president killed somebody uh, at the White House, and they covered it up for him. And they, it was it was a crazy plot, but maybe not so crazy after all. Listen, you know, I read tons of political novels anymore, all the time, always have been. And I have to laugh because the things that are in political novels are so far away from what actually is happening. I mean, what's happening now is just outstrips them completely. In a political novel, you know. Uh, Senator, if the word that you took that girl out last night for drinks ever gets out, your career is done. And then I look at Trump. <laughs> I like to grab him by the bleep, you know. <laughs> That's what I was just thinking. How are you know the, the, the caller, the texter who wanted to compare uh, Nixon? It is no comparison. <laughs> you know, Nixon. Okay, he was he was a bum. He just kind of was paranoid. He wanted to know what the Democrats was up to, even though he had no no reason to worry. <laughs> He was just paranoid, and then it was the cover-up. This is a whole lot worse, what we're dealing with today. Well, it takes, you know, claiming that you won the election when you didn't takes cover-up to a whole new level. But we'll talk about all of this at Tom Scuteri. He's coming up next right here on your Watchdog Morning Show. Coming up on Metro News Hotline. On the Tuesday edition of the show, Dave Bryan from Steeler Depot will be here to see if the Steelers can bounce back after the disappointment against the Patriots. Rodney Justo of Atlanta Rhythm Section joins the program at 4.30 and Anthony Lewis on the Mountaineers and more at 5. Plus your calls, texts, tweets, in or out in our question of the day. Metro News Hotline with Dave Weekly. Weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 at WVMetroNews.com and on this Metro News station. Santa Duck is in town at your nearest Lucky Duck discounters. Smart Christmas shoppers start early at Lucky Duck, where the price goes down as the week rolls on with thousands of bin items. Plus shelf items like refrigerators, patio furniture, baby supplies, and more priced at 40% below retail. No other bin store in our area offers these great buys. Start your Christmas shopping now because it's all first come, first served, and items on the shelf change every week. Visit Lucky Duck discounters, Wheeling, Glendale, New Martinsville, Steubenville, and Morgantown. Lucky Duck, more than just a bin store, it's your Christmas shopping headquarters. The Highland Sports Complex is the Ohio Valley's most exciting place to play. A state-of-the-art facility offering fun for the whole family with a climbing wall, arcade, indoor turf, hardwood courts, classes and camps for kids and adults. Plus, you can take a break in the on-site cafe. Learn more online at hitthehighlands.com or better yet, stop in and visit the Highlands Sports Complex at the top of the hill off I-70. This is great conversation for the holidays or any time of year. You're listening to the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reckon. Joyful all ye nations rise Join the triumph of the skies With the angelic 
Music with their bingo during this holiday season. Just about as good as you can get. Not quite as good as you can get. Barry Manilow does better. We had the Barry Manilow music bumpers yesterday and then the Barry Manilow special on NBC last night. That's the epitome of great holiday entertainment. Let's see if Tom Scateri saw that. Tom Scateri, did you see the uh, Barry Manilow special on NBC <laughs> last night? Oh, don't I wish I did. I was... Uh... <laughs> I was unfortunately consumed with much less cheerful uh, activities here in D.C., as you can imagine. <laughs> and I'm telling you, uh, Barry Manilow is 80 years old, 10 years older than I am. Wow. And wow. he he had a little, a little bit of work done, you can tell that, but not a lot. And I, his voice does not is not one note, one tremolo, one t- timber different than it was in the 70s. I, it's amazing to me. That's uh, great to hear. It really is. You know, I my Christmas uh, uh, pastime now is uh, finding the variations that go with me on this, Howard and Bob, variations on the Chipmunks Christmas song. Okay. And I want to tell you something. There are amazingly beautiful renditions of it, of the orchestrations, of just strings and just musical. Yeah, it's a fun song. It's a great Christmas memory. But if you think about the words to that, you know, Hurry Christmas and all that. And it, uh, the last one I r- just listened to uh, this morning was by a group called the Vitamin String Quartet. And they have wonderful classical music, and they thought they did this, and it's just great. It's great. I, so, I don't think I've how, ever thought of the a Chipmunk song as exactly, beautiful as beautiful exactly. orchestration. Those, that, that's not a phrase I would have used for I, that. Exactly. The first time I heard it, like earlier, uh, late November of this year, it was by a different artist, and I said, "This is it! This is incredible!" And I said, "I know this song, and what is this song?" You know, I'm hearing it, and then I realized what it is, and I got the name of that artist and looked up them, and I said, I "Wonder how many others are like that." So yesterday, I, I I came across another one, and then this morning, I this one I just described to you. Wow! All so right. that's that's my Christmas. There day. we go. So see, uh, we're playing Der Bingle. Uh, I'm I'm in love with Barry Manilow from that concert last night, and you've got Alvin and the Chipmunks. I mean, boy, we are <laughs> there. You go. <laughs> We're an eclectic. And I think Bob's I think Bob's reference to the movie. I looked it up. I remember seeing a movie, um, you know, about the president and all that. And I think Bob. I think the movie was called Absolute Power. Um, that sounds about right. Gene Hackman. <laughs> yeah. Gene Hackman was the president. 1997 movie. Hackman was the president, and. Uh, Eastman was a jewel thief, and he helps solve the um, the mystery. Yeah, I'm going to have to absolute power. I got to make a note of that, and I'm going to look that up. Hopefully, like, it sounds like I might like to watch it. Hopefully, we don't have the sequel yeah. with uh, Donald Trump. But uh, it was it was based on a book. But Howard, to your point, it was based on a book called Absolute Power by David Balducci. Oh, I, I've read so, you know, the, I've read pretty, the Balducci book. Yes, okay, all right, I've read that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, sticking with the books just for a second, I want to get to the real uh-huh. news, but it ties to the news. Do you find it amazing, as I do, that if you read a political novel, the things that were so important in political <laughs> novels, we have just got we have blown past those so much with Donald Trump. You know the the little things yeah. in the in the novel. It says this will destroy his career, and in the Trump world, you just laugh. <laughs> it makes him stronger. Yeah. I mean, it's just weird. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. And, uh, you know, the whole thing about truth being strange in fiction and and uh, truth has outstripped fiction in, in, in many ways now. I, I had a discussion with some folks yesterday. It was a non-political discussion, if you believe it. But we all agreed, you know, that Donald Trump, no matter what you think of him, has been an incredible game-changer and pivot point in American politics and American democracy. No question. And uh, people just don't realize Many people just don't realize it, or they don't care to realize it. So, you know, when people say this is an incredible, important election, um, they all are, but this one, and if you look at what's happening in Ukraine and, and around the world, where and how NATO has become finally a, a real factor again, and leadership in the EU is strong again, uh, this is a critical point in the world, and the United States leadership has to be engaged in some form, not necessarily the way it has been, but in some form. And, you know, Donald Trump doesn't believe that, and Biden does. Others you know, in kind of Republican candidates, some believe that, some don't. So, you know, it's an important election, not just for our country, but I think, and you, you know, I rarely talk like this, but I just, that's what's consumed me the last well, it week. Is, but it, it is, a, you know, a President Biden makes that point often, and whether you support Biden or don't support Biden, I think his point is well taken. This is a pivotal, is almost not a strong enough word to use. This is right. a game-changing election. Uh, if Trump gets back in office and is able to pull off the things that he already says he's going to do, which is use the office for retribution, I didn't say that. He said that. Um, it's scary stuff. Uh, Jackson, and Howard, why don't we believe him? Why don't we believe what he's saying? That's the question. I mean, people, you know, we discount, people discounted it in 2016 when he ran, and we saw how he was as president. Again, you know, if you if you support him, you support him, but don't pretend he is someone you say he isn't. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't get that. Um, there was a gubernatorial debate here in West Virginia last week. I took part in the um, panel afterwards. And the uh, moderator asked the all three of the gubernatorial candidates who were there, does Donald Trump's legal problem, do they bother you? And all of them said, no, not really. It's just kind of a little irritant. It's not really that big a deal. He's a good guy, and we want him here in the state. And, and they don't. And I said, I, it, it staggers me. Can't you just say, well, I think, I think he will be a good president, and I sincerely hope his legal problems get by. But, yeah, it bothers me to see, you know, were these things to be true, I would, I would be bothered. But, no, it's like, oh, no, it's just not that big a deal. 91 indictments, you know, that's the big deal. But let me ask you, Jack Smith, it is, uh, Trump himself yeah. called it last night a Hail Mary. Jack Smith going to the Supreme Court saying, I want you to rule now on whether or not Trump has prosecution for immunity because he was doing these things while he was president. Supreme Court last night said they would consider the request, not hear the case, but would consider mm -hmm. the request. Pretty ballsy move on Jack Smith's part, because if he loses this, he's done. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, it is a ballsy move. Uh, you know, I have uh, professionally watched what he has done, and I thought he's done a very careful, you know, job of what he needs to do in his, in his investigation and subsequent prosecutions. So uh, this is me totally guessing here, okay? I'm going to have to guess that at some point he sees where this could go, 
okay? He knows eventually he has to have this decision rendered, okay? The question is, do you uh, go forward and then wait until the decision's made, or do you get it done now? Because if it's done now and it's against you, what do you do next? You know, I mean, that kind of throws out your whole game plan. Well, I mean, if uh, if the Supreme Court hears the case and if they rule that Trump does have effectively immunity from prosecution, then the case goes away. I mean, I, I, I'm not a legal expert, but then it goes away because well, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't exactly, prosecute yeah. him and, and you know it ahead of time. But it is a smart move in the sense that might as well find out now if that's the way, because well, it will eventually make yeah. it to the Supreme Court. So might as well just do it now. And here's the other thing, too, uh, Howard. And what happens if, you know, he didn't do this now and he goes, the case proceeds and it takes a long time and his election and Trump wins and he's in office? He just pardons himself. Right. Right. And, and I think that's what he's trying to do is, and that's why he himself came out last night on True Social and was just really ticked off about what Jack Smith is doing. And you ask yourself, well, why? Because, because if, if what Smith is doing works out against Smith, and I think it's got a 50-50 shot, then Trump is home free. Trump's concern is if it works out against Trump, he can't delay this till the election. That's what he, what he wants to do is delay all of this till the election. Yeah. So mm-hmm. no matter mm-hmm. what happens, he'll be president and he can pardon himself. That's the bottom line. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, um, again, a, a, a really gutsy move by, by Jack Smith. I mean, it is, in Trump's own words, it's a Hail Mary. Uh, but if it succeeds, whew, man, it's, all, uh, it's not curtains for Donald Trump, but it makes Trump. It's almost like, to use a football, you know, put it in football terms, I guess, because it's football season. You know, this isn't, like, this isn't quite the Super Bowl. But you have, you know, that would be the Super Bowl, but you've brought the Super Bowl to the divisional finals or yeah. something like that. In other words, you're moving the big game up. Right. Yeah. You, you've kind of skipped the finals. You've gone, you're, yeah. you're, yeah. You've gone yeah. straight to the Super Bowl. And I don't think, you know, I don't think we can make a prediction on the Supreme Court. I do understand it's Trump's court in many ways, a wildly conservative court. But I, I, I still feel that deep down inside, all the justices probably are, well, are good people. I wouldn't say all of them. Well, all right. I I think that there are enough of them that it could go in Jack Smith's favor. Um, even well, though, what is it now? There's, there's a full court. There's nine people, correct? Nine people on the court. Right. 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 I would say, without mentioning names, uh, two of them are going to go for Trump side. Whatever happened, whatever the law is. Okay. So you're really talking about seven others on the court who have to make a judicial decision. So it, it, it is a, it is a very dangerous move that Jack Smith is making, but it'll it gives us clarity. It, it clarifies yeah. things. So that's 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 something important to take note of. One more Trump thing, just real quick. Trump was going to testify in his own fraud case again, but apparently he has said he's mm-hmm. not going to testify now. Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, at this point, it really doesn't matter if he testifies or not. I mean, all the prosecutors say, look, you, you're given the chance to testify, you know, and, and you, t- you decline, which is your right. Their case is either strong or it's not strong with or without him. Um, I think Trump is smart enough to realize that if he gets on the stand, he, has to be, he can be cross-examined, even if he tries to obfuscate and, you know, spin and all that. They'll... There'll be something he says that will have an impact. That's it. You know, I, I come, you know, the same thing with debates. There's no reason for him to go to debates. There's no reason for him to take the stand in these cases. It's only going to hurt him. Right. 
Yeah, no question about that. Let's talk about a couple of international stories here real quick, Tom. Yeah. Um, we talked last week a little bit about whether the United States is being drawn more into some of the Middle Eastern conflicts. There have been a number of attacks on U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria recently. There's been a lot of them. And, if you, Howard, if you go and look back from where we were just a month ago, we've almost doubled the number of attacks uh, against U.S. installations in Iraq and in Syria. You know, I think the number they gave us yesterday was like 92, okay? So 92 attacks. Now, they keep, they meaning the Pentagon, they keep saying, well, you know, uh, it's, it is 92. Well, you know, they haven't really uh, hit the target thanks to our robust defenses. Most have been successfully disrupted. But this is a, a numbers game. At some point, there's going to be U.S personnel killed or seriously wounded um and what's happening this is a this is a game a gray zone warfare game with iran going on and iran's maximizing the, the attacks and so this is part of the greater middle east war despite what the pentagon wants to say they try to say no this is unrelated to what's going on in gaza well it's not just like the just like the houthi in Yemen are firing at ships now. They hit a Norwegian right. ship yesterday. Uh, that's all part of this. And, and why don't we just recognize it and say it and, and come up and, and deal with it? You know, they're dealing with it in the Red Sea with escorts, but, you know, and they're hitting tar- unnamed targets, you know, Iranian military targets in Syria. But that hasn't stopped them. And, of course, we know about Gaza. The uh, let's stick with the Mideast for a minute. Um, there have been reports coming out that Israel may have used white phosphorus, which is a violation of uh, yeah. uh, it's a war crime, I guess, essentially. I'm, I'm trying to look for the right well, word I'm looking for there. But Here's the deal on that. Here, yeah, here's the deal on that. Uh, uh, they have used it, according to the Washington Post excellent report and other reports. Uh, this was sold to them as part of a munitions deal from the United States prior to the Ga- this Gaza conflict. Now, I only say that just so, you know, for factual reporting here. That doesn't reduce the reason for using it. There is a military purpose for using these type of shells, you know, for camouflaging purposes. But they are very dangerous to civilians and stuff and, and others, and, and, and it's they're for good reason. And it is a violation on, under some international law to use them in civilian areas where you know the harm to civilians outweighs the military purpose, and it probably does in this case. And the fact is, of course, Israel denied using it, and now they've been caught. Okay, so that's always a bad look to, to be, you know, cavalier about say, how yeah. I describe it. So this puts in the United States, listen, Howard, the United States, I'm sorry, the United States is in a very bad situation and has put itself in a worse situation. Last Friday, it vetoed the ceasefire, the only member of the veto, and thus the U.N. ceasefire request did not go through because the United States, that really alienated the United States in the eyes of many in the world. Israel has not heeded any of the requests uh, that are being made more and more publicly by the United States to watch out, to not harm civilians. Um, you, you know, I'm not, you can make a judgment whether Israel's right in what they're doing or not, but I'm just talking about the United States position and it's becoming, we, the United States, are becoming more and more isolated in this because of what's seen as blatant, unbridled support for Israel. And this white phosphorus thing, it's going to be lost in the vapor of, of what I, of the technicality I just explained to you all, you know, that these were shipped before the war started. It doesn't, it won't be picked up. It'll be like we gave them to them now. Yeah, right, exactly. And and uh, you're right, uh, we're the un 
unquestioning support we have for Israel, and I'm, I think we should support Israel, but the unquestioning support we have is is going to create serious problems for the country and for and frankly politically for for Joe Biden. Tom, before I let you go, and I do have another guest to get to, so I can't drag you out too long this morning. But it's not <laughs> a, it's not on the top of your notes from this morning, but it's uh, it's an interesting story to me. Uh, the Pentagon has been working on trying to find ways to prevent mm-hmm. extremism in the military. The 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 mm-hmm. I want to say right wing, but I guess it's extremism of, of any kind uh, in in the military. Um, but members of Congress are trying to rail that back a little bit. Yeah, this is this is this is startling to many of us. Uh, there is a problem with extremism in the ranks in the military, and it's not just the right wing extremism. You know that, that we often talk about, and so two years ago, or actually almost three years ago now, Secretary Austin, when the first thing he did was to set up this group to count. It's called the Counter Extremist Activity Working Group. You know, I have to have a long name. <laughs> they haven't done much in the two years since they've been around, and you know, it seems very haphazard. But they're there, and they, at least it's a purpose, you know. And they haven't acted on any recommendations yet that have been made. That being said, this week as the House and Senate moved to a defense bill, this is the policy bill, not the spending bill, they included, uh, both, both chambers included a measure to end, stop funding this, this group, this counter-extremist activity working group, you know, that was funded to, to deal with extremism, to explain, explore and explain why it's in the ranks, why it's increasing, why so many members of the military when they leave join extremist groups. And so they're gonna, the funds are going to dry up for this. And it's already been a tepid group, as I said. This will ensure it doesn't do anything because it won't be funded. And that's a problem now. It's going to be in our armed services. It's going to be unchecked. The implication, and I say implication, I don't know if I said this out loud, the implication would be the lawmakers that are trying to end this working group either don't know, don't believe there is extremism, or even worse, don't care that there is extremism in the military. I mean, that's kind of the implication, it would seem to me. I can't disagree with you on that. Yeah, don't know or don't care. How's that for a how, How's that? No, I think it's more the. I think it, the, a lot of them disabuse the idea. You know, the whole drop from what happened on January sixth. Some people have walked back their comments about how bad January sixth is, and that's a vast understatement. You know, how many people in the military were involved in January sixth or wanted to be involved in January sixth, and you know, and Austin has to walk a careful line on that. Is Secretary Austin so? I, I, I see it as a real back into what we talked about earlier. This whole moment in our history where this stuff is becoming okay, becoming acceptable. Really? Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right, Tom. I got to run. I appreciate your time as always. Thank I, you. I shan't be here next week, but you and Bob will be uh, engaging in uh, in scintillating Mike conversation. Mike ears will be burning. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I'll catch you in a couple of weeks. You guys have fun next week. Thank you. 836-24 to the hour here on the Watchdog. Have you already planned? That's, that's the game plan. I'm going to see if Tom will be a good old boy. Maybe he can join us on Saturdays also. We'll, we'll rip on Mike Tomlin. Listen, Kateri has some strong feelings on, on this stuff, so uh, that should be good stuff. 836-24 to the hour. Um, Rebecca Little was here this morning with Ohio Valley Headlines, and then Tony's got sports. Good morning. I'm Rebecca Little with a look at your 7 News headlines for this Tuesday, December 12th. The Steubenville Police Department is asking for the public's help in finding a missing juvenile. Austin Blake Howell is 15 years old, 5 foot 5 and weighs 160 pounds. He has hazel eyes and long black hair. 
Austin was last seen leaving the school on December 6 and did not return home. He has been reported to be in the downtown and Pleasant Heights areas of Steubenville. Police say Howe also was possibly seen in Toronto over the weekend of December 8th through the 10th. Meanwhile, the Belmont County woman facing 11 felony counts of animal cruelty is asking to be let out of jail. Paula Metzler's case may involve the highest number of felony cruelty counts in Ohio history. In a recent hearing, Metzler's attorney said she has health issues that aren't being addressed in jail. But the prosecution says she has a long criminal history of animal abuse and her bond should not be changed. Judge Chris Burhalter ruled that Metzler's bond will stay at $50,000. 11 dead animals that were identifiable were found at her home, plus countless others in piles of bones and fur. The 15 found emaciated but alive are now recovering. Metzler's next hearing is set for January the 2nd. And a process undertaken a year ago by two Ohio dioceses that came to a pause is now back in preliminary discussions. Bishop Paul Bradley with the Steubenville Diocese and Bishop Earl Fernandez with the Columbus Diocese and their staffs have started conversations about a potential merger of the two dioceses. Yesterday, Seven News spoke with Bishop Bradley, who says he and Bishop Fernandez have been instructed to conduct in-depth studies of their diocese with a focus on how temporal aspects of life could be affected by merging the two. In more news, the City of Weirton and the Festival Committee gave out the items that were collected from their recent food and toy drive to the Salvation Army on Monday. All items were displayed in the Weirton Room of the Millsop Community Center. The collection aimed at helping those in need during this holiday season. The City would like to thank all the people and locations that participated in making this collection a very huge success. That was a look at your 7 News headlines. I'm Rebecca Little. Have a terrific Tuesday, everybody. The honors continue to pile up for Beanie Bishop and Zach Frazier. Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Caridi. That story coming up on today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. The holidays start here at Kroger with a variety of options to celebrate traditions old and new. You could do a classic herb roasted turkey or spice it up and make turkey tacos. Serve up a go-to shrimp cocktail or use Simple Truth wild caught shrimp for your first Cajun risotto. No matter how you shop, Kroger has all the freshest ingredients to embrace all your holiday traditions. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With Kroger brand products, you can make all your favorite things this holiday season. Because Kroger brand's proven quality products come at exceptionally low prices. And with a money-back quality guarantee, every dish is sure to be a favorite. These are a few of my favorite things. Whether you shop delivery, pickup, or in-store, Kroger brand has all your favorite things. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The postseason honors continue to come in for Mountaineer football players Beanie Bishop and Zach Frazier. A big one coming down yesterday as the Associated Press names both Bishop and Frazier as All-Americans. Bishop and Frazier become the first Mountaineers AP All-Americans since Darius Stills was honored as a first-team pick back in 2020. And overall, they become the 55th and 56th in WVU history, earning AP All-American status. Bishop, who's the native of Louisville, Kentucky, transferred in in the offseason from the University of Minnesota. He becomes the third 
WVU cornerback to earn AP All-American honors in school history and the very first since Rasul Douglas earned second team honors back in 2016. As for Zach Frazier, he becomes the seventh center to be recognized from West Virginia and the very first since Tyler Orlowski earned the recognition back in 2016. Another honor came down yesterday for Beanie Bishop. He was named a first-team All-American by the Football Writers Association of America and another one for Frazier, the Action Network, naming him a first-team All-American. The honors don't belong strictly to the Mountaineer football team on the women's basketball side. Yesterday, we told you about the standout performance on Sunday by J.J. Quinterly against Delaware State. Well, yesterday, the Big 12 Conference announced that Quinterly is their Big 12 Women's Basketball Player of the Week. She averaged 24.7 assists, 6 rebounds, and 5 steals in two games last week. That is today's Mountaineer Report brought to us by Kroger, the official grocer of WVU Athletics. I'm Tony Caridi on the Mountaineer Sports Network from Learfield. My name is Mike Campsey. I am an interventional cardiologist and the chief of cardiology at Wheeling Hospital. I think the value of HVI in this region is tremendous. We offer such a wide spectrum of services from prevention to intervention. We're going to get the patient in as quickly as possible. That's the most tremendous benefit to the patients in this region is we, we're here 24-7. We're available to see somebody. He has his say. You can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Frosty the snowman was a jolly happy soul. With a corncob pipe and a button nose and eyes made out of coal. Frosty the snowman is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know that he came to life one day. 8.43, 17 to the hour, Watchdog Morning Show. Cool morning, hasn't changed much. 29 degrees, Wheeling, Ohio County Airport. 28 at the Highlands, 25 in Elm Grove, 28 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Going to be sunny, high around 45 today, sunny for the next several days and into the weekend, mid-40-ish for much of the week. Might see um, temperatures dropping a little bit into the 40s uh, over the weekend. That's the official forecast, I'd say, from Adam Fike, but poor Adam has got food poisoning. Well, we, we assume it's food poisoning is... Fiancy, Abby had food poisoning yesterday, and Adam told me he got the same thing, so I guess it's uh, food poisoning. But that's the official uh, forecast. Bob, our world-traveling uh, listeners today are listening to us from France. Alan from Neps. Oui, oui. He is, uh, <laughs> I am in uh, in Paris right now, getting ready to get my final plane, uh, and then I will listen to you when I am in Nice, France. So uh, the world-traveling listeners, to, and he listens wherever he goes. He listens to the Watchdog Morning Show all around the world. I, 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 I find that just humbling but fascinating. He just listens to us every day, wherever he is, wherever he travels. Uh, Chad Thalman, Vice Mayor of the City of Wheeling, is here with us. I wanted to talk to Chad today about some of the things the city is doing for the Streetscape Project. Chad, it seemed like everything came to a head a few weeks ago. The frustrations of the citizens were getting pretty heavy. Businesses were getting pretty grumpy. Um, streetscape was getting pretty cloggy. Um, and the city finally decided, I 
I don't mean that in a negative way, but finally decided to step up and take some action to help the businesses, right? Yeah, and you know, Howard, this really started back in the summer of 2021. That's when city council started waiving the business license fee for businesses in downtown Wheeling. I think people um, may have forgotten that, by the way. That's right. You did it a couple years ago. Yeah, and that's gone on every year since 2021, and, and I would advocate that we continue doing that until the streetscape is over in 2025. Uh, for a lot of businesses, that's less than $100 a year, but my understanding is if you're a business or a restaurant that serves alcohol or liquor, it's in the ballpark of $600 a year. So, you know, so far, businesses have, have saved, you know, around $2,000 in business licensee if, if they're a restaurant. Um, but, yeah, you know, the streetscape is something that's been going on for a number of years. It still has a few more years that we ha- all have to endure it. Uh, so the city did step up recently and has put some plans in place to waive parking fees at the garage, to waive some B&O, and to possibly provide some lost revenue assistance to the businesses that are impacted by the streetscape. Now, I don't know if you've, if you've passed any of this stuff, but but there are concrete proposals. The waiving the B&O tax for businesses in the impacted area, that is a, that's an actual formal proposal. I don't know if it's passed, but it will be coming to council if it hasn't come, correct? Yeah, correct. So, and, and it, all this started uh, several weeks ago. Um, there was really two main conversations. One was Mayor Glenn Elliott had a conversation with the jewelry store that's on Market Street. That is the block of Market Street that is 100% shut down. Right. You got a jewelry store, you got Jackson Hewitt, you got the Belgian Waffle Place. Um, Mayor Elliott had a conversation with the owners of the jewelry store. I was in the Bridge restaurant one afternoon having lunch, and I had a conversation with the owner there. And after these conversations, you know, basically what was communicated to us is that, that they are seeing a noticeable drop in business, which, you know, we all suspect is due to the Streetscape project. So that's kind of what the, got the conversation moving. Uh, Mayor Elliott then approached the city manager and asked the city manager to put together some sort of a package uh, that, that, that we could pass or that we could council could consider to assist the businesses in downtown that are being impacted by the Streetscape project. And I will say this, of the businesses that I have talked to, uh, Matt Welsh, the Bridge Tavern, others, everybody is still trying their best to be very positive about the project in its entirety and in its scope. I mean, everybody begins with, hey, I know when this is done, the city is going to be better off. But it's just going through it right now is so tough for some of these businesses and, frankly, for, for some of us traveling, trying to get to the businesses, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt that this, you know, this is a major, major project. I mean, this really started, um, I, the conversations of this started, Howard, you probably remember better than I do. I want to say around 2014. Yeah. So this project's going to be, you know, every bit of 10 years from the time the conversation started until the time the construction is done. It's just a once-in-a-lifetime type project. Mary Elliott said to me a few weeks ago, I think it was off the air, but, but he said, uh, he said, this is, it's a politician's dream and nightmare. He says, we got, we got yelled at. You guys got yelled at for not getting it going fast enough and then got yelled at because now it's underway. It's like you're... <laughs> well, and I'll, I'll add to that. You know, people are almost, uh, you know, some of the comments I hear are, you know, I hear some people say it's taking too long and then other people say, you know, you, you're trying to do everything all at once. Right. So, you know, which, which one is it? Yeah, exactly. You know what I noticed last night, which was interesting to me? I was coming from the planning commission meeting at City Hall and going up over Chaplin, and I noticed the number of cars using, is that Lane H? Is that what it is that goes down to Market Street there uh, off of Chaplin? I think it's Lane H. Uh, That's kind of the little shortcut now to get you down to Market since you can't go any other way. I noticed the number of cars that were turning down there. Uh, The point of that is 
the first couple of days, it was like, where the hell is this? Why, how am I supposed to get around? I don't even know where I'm going to go. And now people have figured it out. And I was watching all the cars. They're going up. They're going down Lane H, and they're getting down to Market Street that way. So it's and like anything else, I guess, eventually you figure it out, right? Yeah, you know, in, in, in larger cities that I travel to sometimes, I mean, there's always some sort of ongoing construction. I think in Wheeling, we kind of got spoiled for a while in the sense that there was really not much change, not much investment, which is, a, you know, a lot of ways is a bad thing. But with the interstate, all you know, $200 plus million invested in the interstate in Ohio County, all the investment that's taking place in downtown, you know, there are some growing pains associated with that. But I think once you figure out what the detours are, once you figure out, you know, you maybe got to leave your house a few minutes earlier than you normally would, you know, I don't think it's that big of an inconvenience. I'm sure I'm a little biased in saying that. But for the most part, I, I think a lot of people just adjust and, and uh, you know, add a few extra minutes to their travel time. Well, I, I don't want to diminish it because I do know that people get very frustrated, and I do too. Um, uh, having said that, I think you make a good point. Look, you just have to learn to adapt for the time being. You take... We have been so used to getting wherever we need to go in 32 seconds. You know what I'm saying? Um, that, that, that it may take you just a little bit longer. Uh, figure it out. It's not, generally speaking, it's not, it's not that hard. But, but I, I think people are beginning to figure it out. And again, I really noticed that last night because I never saw anybody turn down that lane before. And now the cars are all doing it. It's like they've, they've, they've already got it, uh, got it figured out. Um, one of the things I wish had been done, and I would like to still see done, but I do know there's some conflict between the city and the state on this, is better signage on the roads that are under construction. But I have noticed the city has made a serious effort to try and be more aggressive in getting publicity out about how to get around. Not so much signage, but trying to get it out in social media and so on. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all frustrated with the lack of communication um, that 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 is out there. I think a lot of the businesses are frustrated. I know every single person on city council is frustrated. So, yeah, I mean, I think we all expect a little bit more when it comes to just being informed as to what's going on and how to get around. Um, and yet the state, I guess the state has kind of balked at being much. Maybe they're turning around because it did issue a press release not too long ago, just last week or two weeks ago. But it seems to me the state, the contractor, I'm not sure where in that arena, just has not been very willing to to do good communicative signage. Um, and I think maybe the city needs to step in a little bit and do that. I've never understood, Chad, I've never understood why there aren't signs in the gateways, at least, for tourists coming to town or travelers coming through town that say, pardon our dust, we know things are a mess, but we're going to be better in the future. And maybe even put a little picture of the streetscape up there so people know what's, what's happening. Instead, people come into town, come off the suspension bridge, come out of the tunnel on uh, Main Street, and just hit the traffic. And, you know, if you're not familiar with things, you go, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, Howard, again, I think everyone on city council shares that frustration. I know Mayor Elliott has repeatedly asked uh, for those type of signs, and we've just yet to see them. Can't the city, and it's, it's not a rhetorical question, it's a serious question, can't the city do some of that themselves? Yes, absolutely, 100%. The operations department has the ability to make signs. That is correct. Well, shouldn't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely, and we've asked repeatedly. So so where's the holdup? Well, Howard, as you know, the city council does not have the authority to give direction to city staff, and uh, making signs is just not something we vote on at council meetings. Right. We do vote to provide them with the funding they need, 
But, you know, I don't have, as a member of council, you know, the mayor, myself, other members of council, we don't have the authority to tell city staff to go, you know, cut high weeds. We don't have the authority to tell them to fill a pothole. We don't have the authority to tell them to put up signs. All we can do is make requests. I think a lot of people are kind of confused with how government works here in the city of Wheeling. A lot of people assume the mayor, uh, members of city council have a lot more power than what we actually have. Well, I, I think that is true. They do. Um, so but you have made the request to the administration. I, yeah, Howard, without getting into, into public shaming, Mayor Elliott has made repeated requests for, for better communication. There's even a billboard in downtown Wheeling the city has. I know he sent multiple emails asking if we can put something on the billboard. This goes back at least a year, and we've really yet to see all that stuff. You know, it's probably just my background, and so maybe I'm more sensitive to it. But to me, communication is the heart of all of these problems. You, Generally speaking, when people understand what's happening, uh, they are more willing to accept what's happening and to work around it. And if you don't know what's going on, you just get frustrated. Yeah, and you, I think the businesses are, are incredibly frustrated, and I completely understand why. And I think every single person on city council is frustrated. <clears throat> the uh, You are uh, validating parking in the garages and uh, there isn't much on-street parking right now, is there? Because because the meters are all out. I mean, there aren't. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just not paying attention. We don't have too many meters around town right now, downtown, because of this of the project, right? Well, anywhere that any any area that that has a brand new sidewalk does not have meters, and the plan is to not put meters in. So we have these brand new sidewalks, and the plan is um, we don't want to drill holes in the brand new sidewalks and install outdated. Yeah you know, ugly-looking meters. And we also think it might be more pro-business uh, to, instead of having meters, just to allow free two-hour parking. Now, that does put the burden on the parking attendants, um, the meter attendants, to enforce that. They're going to have to chalk tires, or they're going to have to have some sort of, you know, equipment that keeps track of how long cars are, you know, in a particular spot. But the plan is anywhere that has a brand-new sidewalk, it's going to have free two-hour parking, and meters are not going to be reinstalled in those areas. I'm going to assume that you, by that I mean the council and or the administration, and maybe the new council or new administration, depending on timing, are going to have to sit down and really do kind of a, a complete parking review of what's going to happen next when the streetscape is done, right? Well, you know, I, again, any place where the streetscape is done is not going to have meters. It's going to be free two-hour parking. Um, now, do we? You and, know, that's, and that and that is a decision already. Down. And that's a decision already made. Uh, that is, um, I, I don't believe that's been formally voted on. But yes, okay. I think just about every single person on city council uh, is on the same page there. The conversation that probably needs to happen at some point going forward is: Do we remove the meters and all the other areas of town that have meters but don't have brand new sidewalks? That may be something that that we wait on as a city until after 2025 when the streetscape is done, just to see you know, how the free two-hour parking is working in the areas that do have brand-new sidewalks. You know, uh, you're running for mayor, so it is your hope, obviously, that you will be moving into the next term of council, the next phase of city government here. Um, so these are things that if you get elected, you're going to have to be, uh, and you're going to be point person for. You can't uh, can't turn to Mayor Elliott anymore. You're going to have to be point person for all of these things. Um, there's going to be a lot of, of work that's going to have to be done, I think, after the streetscape is done, to kind of for the city to put its final pieces into place, and parking happens to be one of them. Yeah, I do think we have to have a discussion about, you know, what do we do with the other areas of town that, that have meters that don't have brand new sidewalks. 
So, and there's probably, and Howard, in addition to that, we probably do at some point in time need to have a discussion with, you know, the parking garages. We have a brand-new parking garage that's being built. We have the 10th Street parking garage. We also have the, the Robert Bird parking garage down by um, West Bank or Arena. We probably need to have a conversation about, you know, what's an appropriate, you know, daily rate or monthly rate to charge at those garages. I, I think right now they're all the same price, but the 10th Street garage is consistently full, whereas the, the intermodal uh, Robert C. Bird garage down by West Bank Arena is, is never really full unless there's a big event at West Bank Arena. So we probably at some point in time in the years ahead need to take a look at the rates and adjust some of those rates. Chad, I only got a minute or two left. I want to throw this out at you. Uh, it has to do with parking. Uh, I was asked this question just just last night, and I see some social media posts about it again. Um, it looks like the Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel Building is at best on a hiatus. I don't think we're going to see that project done in the next year. So I just that seems to me be the case. So the question people are asking me is, the new garage is being built. Part of the intent of that was to serve the Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel Building. Will there be enough parking? Will, it, will the garage be able to exist in the event that we don't have all of the Wheeling Pittsburgh Steel facility ready? Yeah, so, I mean, the, the garage is being built to accommodate growth in downtown Wheeling. Um, you know, not only do we have the 10th Street parking garage has been full, you know, since before COVID. Of course, you know, COVID, we had a year or so where it wasn't full. But then you add the Doris Hall Main that, that's just recently been built yep. um, right there to the north of the Bridge Restaurant. You know, all the people that live in that building are going to eventually um, be parking in the 10th Street Garage. There are plans, and they're a few years away, there are plans to redo the Marsh Building to the north of the Doris Hall Main. That's going to be, I want to say, in the ballpark of 50 or 60 apartments. Those people are going to be parking in the 10th Street Garage. And then there's a tiered parking lot, Howard. If you're on Market Street and you're headed towards the tunnel to your right, there's a tiered parking lot. Originally, that was the location for the public safety building. Oh, yeah, um, there's been yeah. a lot of interest from, from more than one developer to build something there. Um, so, and, and those those plans have not gotten across the finish line. Maybe they won't. But I anticipate over the next few years, there may be something built on that parking lot. And those people are going to need a place to park. So there's a lot of growth happening, particularly in the north end of downtown Wheeling. And that's what the parking garage is there to facilitate. And, and I, I'm out of time, as you can tell, Ben Crosby singing in the background. But um, I, I, the point I've been trying to make to people is that you see the social media postings. Who needs more parking? Well, the short answer is that we do need there is a need for parking downtown, despite what people may yeah. want to believe. There is a need for it. Wheeling Pittsburgh uh, lofts or not, there's there is a need and has been a need for some time. So, Chad, I got to run. I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks very much. We will no doubt be talking again soon. Yep, sounds good, Howard. Thanks, Chad Thalman, Vice Mayor of the City of Wheeling. Would like to be dumb air. It's uh, nine o'clock. ABC covers the world next. I am a port boy to pum pum pum. FM 98.1, AM 1600, WKKX Wheeling, FM 97.7, AM 1370, WVLY Moundsville. From ABC News, I'm Sherry Preston. A show of support from Harvard to its president, Claudine Gay, following last week's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism on college campuses. The Harvard Corporation issuing a statement this morning affirming confidence in Gay's leadership, saying she will be staying on in her role as president. The latest inflation numbers are out this morning. They could affect interest rates. Here's ABC's Jim Ryan. November was another month of relatively tame inflation with consumer